I'm Paige Cognetti, mayor of the city of Scranton, Pennsylvania. You're listening to the SME Stories podcast. You are now listening to the next great small business podcast. Welcome to the SME Stories podcast, where it is all about small businesses in Canada. And here's your host, Ken Alfred. Hey, everybody. Thanks for downloading the show. We have a very special episode today with Paige Cognetti. Now, Paige Cognetti is actually the mayor of Scranton, Pennsylvania. So just a little bit of background about Mayor Paige Cognetti. She has a background in government oversight, investment management, economic policy, international relations, and political campaigns. She has a broad of experience in budget oversight, business development, coalition building, and strategic communications. Mayor Cognetti served in the Obama administration from 2009 to 2012 as a senior advisor to the U.S. Secretary for International Affairs at the U.S. Treasury Department. She was a fundraiser and project director on numerous political campaigns, including running the out-of-state volunteer program in Pennsylvania for Barack Obama's 2008 campaign. She holds an MBA from Harvard Business School and graduated summa cum laude from the University of Oregon Clark Honors College with a BA in English Literature and Roman Languages. Entrepreneurs and small business owners are managing change and adaptation at a high speed. Often that includes a rethinking of where and when to relocate their businesses. While Scranton may not be the first place to come to mind, there were programs set up nearly a century ago to support coal miners. Proximity to resources, tax incentives, and even pop culture are just a few of the things helping to commercially revitalize the electric city. Since taking office in January 2020, Mayor Cognetti has made it a top priority to understand what attracts small businesses to Scranton during a time of rapid transition with a goal to attract more. Mayor Cognetti will draw from her seemingly endless conversations with business leaders and her experience on the ground to detail what small business owners feel that they need from a town or city to be successful. So we got a great episode today, guys. So sit back and absorb. All right. Okay. So here we go. All right. We have the Honorable... Paige Cognetti here, all the way from Scranton, Pennsylvania. How are you doing, Mayor? Doing great, Ken. Thank you for having me. No problem. So we're going to get right off to go. We're off. Actually, we're going to start right now by asking the mayor what she knows about Donald Trump and Joe Biden and all the controversies. So, Mayor, what do you know? (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) I do know that Northeastern Pennsylvania is the... uh, political universe at times and it certainly was in the last week so if we're we're happy to have honored guests we also sometimes it's it's nice when they leave and we just go back to normal life <laughs> but we love having president biden here welcoming president biden home is always a true honor and it was nice to have him here last yeah week. no that, that's great to hear and like i said to my listeners we're not this is not going to be talking about u.s politics this is not what this is about this is about small business stories and uh we have we're very honored to actually have our first politician here uh, i've had a few guests from the u.s that's come in and I'll, I'll tell you right now uh mayor mayor page do you know and this is i just found this out recently myself when i was looking at the metrics of my podcast so so for just for those who don't remember this is the sme stories podcast where it's all about small business stories in Canada. Do you know how much of my listener base is based in the U.S.? 45%. 60. And I'm wow. <laughs> I was looking at that, I'm like, really? Good to know. So I got... We have a lot to learn from I Canada. Know. Well, you know what? It's, it's the U.S., <laughs> Canada, and surprisingly, Belgium. So Belgians wow. love me. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see how... Wow, what uh, are you a beer fan, or uh, do you talk a lot about the EU? No, <laughs> everything. A lot, but ninety percent of my guests, aside from the the few guests that I had from the US, were all about Canadian companies. So the fact that we got a good representation in Belgium, hey, more Belgians come listen to the podcast. That's, That's all I got to say. So <laughs> love it, I love it. So anyway, so usually we usually try to play this off as okay. We're going to ask about all the different stories, and we are going to get to that eventually. But I always say that you know what. A great story is a great story. And some people might say, well, how does how does like having a mayor help small businesses? Well, you'd be surprised that almost like running a business is similar to some point in the public sector, but we're not going to put too many direct correlations to say, oh, if you're a successful business person, that means you're going to be a successful politician. No, that's not what we're saying. But some some or, or vice versa. versa. <laughs> there are some similarities that we have because you have obviously the mayor, which is we have right now, who's, who's like the quote unquote owner of the city per se. And then we have obviously the constituents who are like the clients. And of course, we have the uh, counselors and other staff that are basically staff of a business. So we can start with that. But 
Board of Directors. Board of Directors. There yeah, we go. Board of, board of Directors. All right. So, so we'll start from the beginning on here, uh, Mary Page. So we're going to start with Scranton, Pennsylvania. How big is it and where is it located? We are a city of 80,000 people in northeastern Pennsylvania, 100 miles from New York, 100 miles from Philly. Uh, you can even get up to Boston in about five hours, down to Washington, D.C. in four hours. Pittsburgh is is about five, six hours east or west of us, excuse me. So we're really in this this really great location where we're kind of the nexus of all of the Northeast. You can get around really easily to all of those business centers. And we have a lot of commerce here from the very beginning of, you know, really the the mid-19th century where people saw this as as a great location to get goods and services out into into the whole region here in the Northeast. Oh, good to hear. And, you know, we're going to transition to the next question here. So a lot of people, when you think about because my previous guest was actually an environmental consultant based in California. And I guess what's surprising is that there's a lot of cities and a lot of countries that still use coal. Now, now the question I have for you, though, is that in the coal, well, sorry, when coal mining kind of died, the town created, I guess, mm-hmm. the Scranton Plan, uh, an organization that still plays a key role in the town nearly 80 years later. Can you tell us about that and the role it plays in revitalizing the city? Sure. Scranton is, like many towns in the northeastern region of the United States, has a story that really pops up in the Industrial Revolution, the mid-19th century huge, you know, huge boom to the industrial base and the country really right here in Scranton, anthracite coal fueled the country and, and even parts of the world. Anthracite coal is a, is a burns really clean, you know, quote unquote clean, um, and was shipped out on rail, which was also built out um, in many ways from this region. So we had both the coal industry and also the steel industry that was helping to build out those rail lines. There was steel that was laying down the track. There was coal that was going on those tracks. But then when oil started to take over in the early part of the 20th century, that coal uh, started to decline and the mining industry started to to really decline here in this, in the city of Scranton, in this whole region. So Folks came together to figure out how to diversify the economy, and the Scranton Plan was part of that. It's evolved uh, over the near century, of course, but as it stands now, the the push has been for education and medicine, quote-unquote eds and meds, to be cornerstones of our economy here. And what's been great about Scranton and our, our whole region is that while there's been an eds and meds push, and we have five colleges and universities right here in just the footprint of Scranton, um, and the medicine has been a really key piece here. We have, you know, rural communities around us that come into Scranton for medicine. So those are big, but we've never lost the diversity. And that's really important. We've never fully lost manufacturing. Uh, coal has 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 gone away here, but we've never lost the manufacturing base. There are still multiple steel, um, family-owned steel businesses, actually. We have lots of manufacturing. There's quite a few defense contractors that are manufacturers right here in the city and the surrounding areas. Um, Textiles were big here as well. And while most of those uh, jobs really kind of left to go overseas throughout the 80s, 90s, and and early 2000s, there's there's still remnants of those. And we have a great entrepreneurial uh, base as well. We were really built on entrepreneurship from the very, very beginning. People came here to build those steel companies, those coal companies, and that that continues on today. Yeah. So, what is it that attracts like the, the small business owner, entrepreneurs to Scranton? You guys must be doing something right because you're bringing a lot of people in. So, what is it about Scranton that people love? Yeah, just this morning, we had a press conference where we gave out five micro grants. We had. A uh, refill station store called um, Little Wild, and you you go. It's you know eco friendly. You bring your bottle in and get your soap refilled. There's that all the way to axe throwing, to a website building business, to a business that's helping people with addiction recovery, and a skateboard shop. So it, today was just the perfect foundation to then speak with you today, Ken, because it has that range of entrepreneurs that are investing in the city. And it's everything from climate forward products to recreation with skate shops and, you know, fun, fun things like axe throwing, which uh, those types of businesses really you know, attract a useful energy, uh, a spirit that we have here in Scranton that we're, we're looking to support. So we do that through through the some of the grant funding. But the culture here is 
is just so much fun. You have a lot of people that have always, always had multiple generations living here and have you know, maybe moved away to be in school, maybe moved away to go into the military, come back home to raise their families, be with their families, and are always looking for new ventures, looking for, for new things to do. And we have people coming in, though, as well that are just, again, post-pandemic mostly, kind of thinking like, you know, New York, New Jersey, maybe getting a little bit crowded, a little bit overpriced. Maybe there's a new, a different way to live that's not quite so cramped. Coming to a place like Scranton where their dollars can go a lot farther by, a, you know, a, a home with a yard, have um, an ability to not have everything riding on that mortgage, be able to afford to spread out a little and, and raise a family or start a business. Uh, and it's been really cool to see that in the last couple of years as that's, that's kept up. We also have a great music scene and we have a great art scene. Um, Scranton being only 100 miles from New York, there's always been since that, that mid-19th century boom, there's always been a lot of arts and culture here. Vaudeville was here. Uh, there, I, just last week, we celebrated the 115th anniversary of the Ritz, which is a, was a vaudeville theater, and now it's a school and a venue. And it's the, the, what the phrase coined there back then was, if you can make it in Scranton, you can make it anywhere. And, uh, and so it's been, a, it's been a very cool, very artsy uh, town with lots of different subcultures throughout its yeah, history. Like, the funny thing is I was trying to read through the questions that I was supposed to be asking. I'm like, okay, she probably answered all of them within the next, with that last five <laughs> minutes, right? So, but I'm going to touch upon, <laughs> but you know, that's okay. That, that That's totally fine too, because I have a gazillion other questions as well. So um, I guess you, you touched upon a little bit, you said about the grants and loans. I know you mentioned the word micro grant. Can you give a little bit of information to the listeners that are not familiar with some of the grants and loan programs that like, I guess, to help small businesses, you know, start up there in, in Scranton? Right. So we have a, a range of grants that we that we have available to the city. Today, we were talking about the micro grants, which was $5,000. And for folks listening to a, a podcast about, you know, small, medium enterprises, uh, sometimes $5,000 is nothing. Sometimes $5,000 is everything for somebody looking to start up. A that business. could be like so your advertising sure- budget right there, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. And so we know that that we have got to support everyone all across the spectrum. So micro grants for you know $5,000, actually, it's even $2,500, depending on the size and the ask. And then going up to our larger grants, we have a loan to grant program, which is, is actually federal funds that, that, that do this, where you can get $35,000 for each new full-time employee that you bring on into your business. So you create that position. And we can give up to $140,000 to a new business there. So that's a chunk of change, you know, no matter what the size uh, of the business. And then we are so lucky to have, and we pushed hard for this last year, the American Rescue Plan. American Rescue Plan is allowing us to fund more entrepreneurs, more businesses. Um, some businesses grants that we're doing are to help you get through and recover from the the crisis and the pandemic, the entrepreneurship grants, though we don't want to leave entrepreneurs out. So we'll be opening that up soon. And those will be, you know, larger grants as well to help help these businesses kickstart. We know that Scranton is poised to continue to grow. We have a lot of momentum right now and we want we want to help bring in those businesses, that diversity of businesses, help create good paying jobs. We also have a program that we'll be running what's called a wage boost program where instead of just a straight grant to help businesses post-pandemic, we'll be encouraging them to raise the wages of their staff. So the first, probably going to be something like this the first year, give them $2 per staffer, then the next year a dollar. And then by that third year, that business will hope that they are going to lift up that to that 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 next level. Here in Pennsylvania, uh, we uh, suffer from a, a legislature that's not super uh, worker focused or progressive. So we still have a $7 and 25 cent minimum wage, really, which is astonishing. Yes. Uh, astonishing. No one can live on that. Uh, $7 25 cents. So while we continue to push for a fair and modern minimum wage, there's different ways that we're trying to help businesses stay competitive, help small business stay competitive. Um, the other piece of this for me personally, my husband is a small business owner. So as we have gone through the pandemic, I've been the mayor, he's been a small business owner, and the highs and the lows have been uh, so intense for each of us and together as a household, as you as you can imagine. 
Um, but knowing that right after the pandemic and after businesses survived, then the labor shortage hit. And it was just such a such a gut punch to have that come on the heels. So this wage boost program is is an idea to try to help those small businesses compete because it's very, very hard for a small business to pay someone enough when down the street you've got, for example, an Amazon warehouse that's just throwing cash at people. It's it's really been hard to compete there. So we're trying to help as best we can. The way you just described it made me literally think that they were you see someone from Amazon just with a bag of money just throwing it at people. You come here. Just just come into the building. I mean there are billboards. Yeah. <laughs> There's always billboards that kind of like when you're driving on the highway, you feel like it might be raining. Um but and we love all businesses to and you want a range and you want um people to have access to high paying jobs and benefits. Uh, we also want to nurture small business though and make sure that entrepreneurship is a path to success in life. We want the folks that work at our great small businesses to be able to thrive. Well, yeah, I think that's that's the whole thing this is about, right? Because I mean, it, yeah, it's nice to work at a big company if you if you if you can get into it. But I guess also a lot of the time you can kind of control your destiny when you start a small business yourself, right? So I think the pandemic has showed us that a lot of people, it's, it's, it's they, they say this the gig economy, right? Hey, do you need an error-free website? Do you need transcription that's accurate and on time? Would you like to remove noise from your video or audio recording? Do you need a spokesperson for your business? If so, we can help. At Northway Capital Group, we are happy to announce that we are now providing website testing services, audio transcriptions, and audio cleanup, as well as spokesperson services. We would love to help you on your next project. Contact us for more information at northwaycapitalgroup at gmail.com. Everyone started up. This podcast started during the pandemic just because I just I would I would watch the news and I would hear all these stories of small businesses closing and they're trying to do everything. They were following all the rules, but they were getting closed out and stuff like that. I'm like, well, let's let's hear some stories from them. That's how this whole thing started. But it's interesting how you're you're talking about that. Like, wow, it's 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 interesting to hear like seven dollars minimum wage in in Scranton, seven twenty five in Pennsylvania. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. So it's <laughs> it is. I mean, we have and the, and the challenging of finding workforce as well is also do, I just had a contractor do some uh, work on my backyard and he was and a lot of my guests are telling me they have a hard time finding staff. So it's not just in Scranton, Pennsylvania. It's yes. all over North America, potentially the world, uh, whether it's because of, of the money that people were getting during the pandemic. And now they might be more picky with what it is or the fact that, uh, you know, they just. You got to be more competitive because I know some of them say that some people are even some people tried not thankfully not successfully. They said, okay, they were still getting some government uh, some government money, but they say, can you just pay me in cash so I can keep the government money coming in? And thankfully, all my guests said, no, (laughs) it's either one or the other, right? So if but, but you can't ask for all this money if you don't have any experience or any skills. So you have to very weigh the pros and cons of that. So it's interesting to hear. I'm glad to hear that. So you talked about uh, a diversity yeah. of businesses that are there. And, you know, I know that uh, Scran supports heavily immigrant owned businesses. So why is that really important? And uh, how does it, uh, I guess, how do you see a, a big growth into that? Yeah, we're starting to see business starts skyrocket to, to your exact experience with during the pandemic and after, small business starts are up and we're finally tracking those in the city. We have a great team and we have built the technology uh, up to be able to track some of these things much better. So we are a city and a region that was built on immigration, like, well, everything here in North America. So when you go back to the story of the coal mines, it's similar to, to other types of industries, these, especially I think these extractive industries that, that were uh, helped fuel um, the modern America that we have today. But they came in for, and you would have a neighborhood that was the you know, Ukrainian neighborhood, the Italian neighborhoods, the Irish neighborhoods, the Polish neighborhoods, the German. It was all split into the different mines where they spoke that particular language. So you go, you know come in from Italy and you would go to a mine with a foreman that spoke Italian. And so we have this very rich history of the the different uh, the different groups and the different languages that settled in particular neighborhoods, and you still see that in the churches. So while of course over the course of you know, the last hundred and sixty years you've had the population spread out, certainly the churches are are a lot of them still active with that particular um, country that that population came from, which is really neat. And with that, you have some businesses as well. Um, there's still some clubs. We have a Polish club in North Scranton. There's all these really cool, really cool 
institutions that have been around for over 100 years that really make up the fabric um, of the city. And we want to see that continue, right? We we want to make sure that the new uh, immigrants that are coming here, we have, for example, a very large uh, Bhutanese population. They came from Bhutan via Nepal uh, to Scranton. And we have uh, about 5,000 people that are of Bhutanese heritage. So we want to encourage them to, and as they have lots of different businesses in the city, we want to encourage that. Um, we have a Congolese population that was was growing quite strongly before about 2017. Uh, we hope that that can can ramp up again um, as we as we go into the future. And so we really want to nurture that. We're built on that. We want to continue to nurture that. And these grants are available uh, in for. Obviously, everyone, we want to see that. That's great to hear it. So what advice would you kind of have for other mayors or other, you know, those in a leadership position to like, you know, that you that you guys did in Scranton that they can probably replicate and try to make that into their, you know, own version of Scranton, right? So I'm in Ajax, Ontario, (laughs) which is east of Toronto. So if we were to, if I was to give some, if I was to tell you, Tell him that, uh, okay, I was, I'm speaking to the mayor of Scranton, Pennsylvania. Here's some of her suggestions that she thinks that we can do maybe here. What would those uh, tips be? Yeah. Yeah. Well, probably for me to suggest to, to other leaders what they should do. But my, I think our momentum comes from a variety of places. One of them is that we are authentically us, right? The ups, the downs, the pros, the cons. We don't hide from the fact that we've had economic ups and downs. We don't you know, hide from the fact that there have been struggles. We lean into that history and we try to learn from it. Uh, we lean into when we're weird, right? Some of, <laughs> some of the, <laughs> every place has its own subcultures. Like I said, you got to embrace that and celebrate it. Lean right into that and support everyone, right? Support every single arts program, every business, every, every difference that makes us different. Different is cool. Different is what we want. We want Scranton to continue to be the unique place that it always has been since back in the vaudeville days. Uh, it's a, a place that the people know, which we're very excited and lucky to be part of kind of a, a cultural zeitgeist in that way, both from the office and, and from the president of the United States being from here. But we, we really want to lean into our history and our future. And when you're authentic and energetic and creative, you know, you, you create, you, you continue to in uh, foster an environment for growth, for entrepreneurship, and for a high quality. Yeah, life. that's great to hear because I think I think if you think about the pandemic in its early stages, what what it was maybe it was across uh, North America, maybe some other countries, but here in Canada, when it first happened, it seemed like everybody was together, right? So we had our federal, our provincial, and in your case, the state, and uh, the municipals were all in it together. We're all there, and for some reason, I don't know if it was the uh, the the the, the the drain that people had during the pandemic, then everyone starts fighting with everybody again. So it's like, we're, we're getting, I'm like, what happened before where, you know, where our prime minister and our premier who were butting heads so often, were like, Hey, we're buddy, we're all in this together guys in Canada. We're going to try and help everybody. And, you know, and then I think after about a year or so, then it's like, okay, that messaging is getting old. We got to do something else. And, oh, it's your fault. Oh, no, it's your fault. And we're going to get to some of those questions for you and as how do you deal with other levels of government uh, as part of this thing. But uh, is there any other, so where can listeners actually listen to more about all the programs that you guys have and, and, and learn more about you? Oh, yeah. So our website is scrantonpa.gov. That's where all of the information about our grant opportunities, our rescue plan opportunities are. Um, right now, we're excited. We have a, a big wellness and behavioral health violence prevention grant series available, uh, which is so important, uh, especially now as we've seen youth violence rise through the pandemic. It's been a, a really tough go across uh, the country, and and we're we're working on that and trying to to get best practices on that. But then on social media, we're I think I'm Scranton Mayor on Twitter, and my. I, it's really funny when you're a public official because you have to have two of everything. You have your government, which is Scranton mayor. And then I've got Paige G. Cognetti, which is my personal slash political. It's, it's very confusing. <laughs> trust me. Uh, and, and never, never the twain shall meet. They cannot, they cannot overlap. Oh. So Scranton mayor, uh, mayor of Scranton, I think on, on Facebook and Instagram. And I think probably was, we have a city TikTok coming soon. TikTok. Okay. I think. I'm not on I'm not on TikTok, but that's why we hire smart people 
that aren't me to do. Might as well like hire that. my 10 year old daughter. She knows more about TikTok than I'll ever know. So <laughs> it's one of those things. That sounds but, perfect. She can enter. <laughs> so here's some more just, uh, so those are some of the talking points I want to make sure I addressed first. And now it's more, now it's more the natural stuff that I would generally ask a guest and all that sort of stuff. So, so how, I was going to say, Mayor Page, what's your story? My story. I am from Beaverton, Oregon, I, which is the home of Nike, uh, for anybody who that rung a bell for. The home of Nike, I went to the University of Oregon, where we call Phil Knight Uncle Phil uh, for all of the uh, support that he gives the University of Oregon Athletics. Um, it was a, a great place to grow up. And after that, I went to Japan for a couple of years. I taught English with the JET program. And I, at the time, thought I was going to be an English literature professor and all sorts of things that I realized in the middle of my time in Japan were not my path. Uh, I realized that I wanted to go into government and politics and, and in some way. So when I moved back to Portland, Oregon, you know, the area where I'm from, uh, a little while after I was home, I moved to Washington, D.C., and moved in with my high school best friend and all of his friends from grad school. It was this very cool, very typical kind of Washington, D.C. group house. Had a great time and ended up going up on a campaign to Scranton, Pennsylvania. And that was the 2006 election cycle. I got, you know, cut my teeth uh, up here working for a, a gentleman who was uh, really had a, it was a long shot at first, but he ended up flipping a seat and he's just an incredible person. Um, and Chris Carney is his name. He, I still work with him here now, many years later, uh, work with him as part of the city. But I met my husband um, in January of 2006. That's where we get back to small business. He owns this uh, beautiful Italian fresh foods market. And I was very tired of eating pizza and Subway sandwiches. That was kind of all I could consume on this campaign. And I walked into his store and he made me a very delicious Tuscan chicken sandwich. Oh. And here we are. Uh, the... <laughs> but um, So I continued to, to eat those sandwiches long distance while I did. Um, I did the presidential campaigns in 2008. I was very fortunate to work in the Obama administration at the U.S. Treasury Department. Um, spent some time in Canada, actually, during the, the G7 and G20 um, series that would have been in 2010. Uh, so spent some time in Toronto and Ottawa and Iqaluit, actually. We got uh, up to wow. Iqaluit, which was the cool. I think that was probably the coolest trip we ever got to go on. Um, so had a really incredible time there at the U.S. Treasury Department working in international affairs, spent quite a lot of time in Europe and China, and then went to business school after that. So I kind of did it in reverse. I got my kind of finance and economic chops. Near the end, right? Uh, at business. After I worked at Treasury, <laughs> um, went to, <laughs> went to went into finance for a couple of years after that. But in 2016, finally moved to be with my husband here in Scranton and um, ran for, a, it was an appointment to the local school board where I started um, you know, truly being a, a local official. And the school board is a, is so so incredibly important and so hard. Well, is, yeah. You know, talk about it. Being I hard. think it's, it's always been, it's so I think hard. the education portfolio is something that most people wouldn't want to come within a 10 foot pole of it because it's just very complex. And I believe you had a budget of what was 120 or 160 million budget that you had to manage at the time. 160 million, 160 million then that was only four years ago. And now it's over <laughs> 200, I think. Wow. And you come in and, and you're trying to manage it. And I, 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 would love to hear more of you ever do some education podcast uh, for Canada. I'd love to listen uh, here in the United States. We have um, pretty much just starved our public education system. And in states like Pennsylvania with, um, as I stated, a, a legislature that's not uh, super supportive of people. Uh, we, we really are in a tough spot. We underfund our school districts very, very badly. And we've got to, we have to find a different a lot way. Of catching up to do, to I guess. Fund, eh? um, education yes. Yeah. Yeah, and we, you know, we see, you see that you can't have, you, you can't have the, the economy you want. You can't have this national security that you want if you don't educate kids and have them come up and be able to have the, the type of jobs and work in the type of innovation spaces that you need them to. So we have a lot of work to do on that. Not to go <laughs> dark. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> we'll get to the fun stuff later on. Don't worry. I'll try to make sure we get to that one. So, so for your government, how many counselors and staff are you responsible for? We have five uh, elected at-large city council people. 
Uh, and then we also have over 500. Hey, you, do you need a voiceover? Well, look no farther. Northway Capital Group has your answer. Commercials and explainer videos, AVR and voicemail, health and wellness, corporate training and e-learning, announcements, documentaries, and biography. Contact us on social media or email us at northwaycapitalgroup at gmail.com. Oh, wow. So it's 500 employees is not nothing. And they're uh, they're incredible. They are our police officers and our firefighters, our public work staff that were out yesterday in floodwaters. They don't, you know, if they're walking through things, they don't, they don't know what they're walking through. People throughout the bulk of those 500 are putting their lives literally on the line for us. Absolutely. I mean, I appreciate all them to do that. Uh, like you said, it's not, it's a very, it's, it's in the unknown, right? And that's the thing you don't know. So, mm-hmm. all right. So let me ask you this then. So you guys are growing at, at a pace in terms of population. So what do you see as the pop, any estimates on population growth over the next few years in your, in your city? Yeah. So our census number is 77,000. I say 80 cause I'm, we are more than confident. We are over 80. Um, it's hard we had the census in the first, it was my first, 2020 was my first year in office. It was also the pandemic. What so a way to start. Tried so what a way to, to start. Be, I know, right? Um, yeah, it was, all, it was supposed to be all fun. And then it, it, it took a, a took a tough turn. We did everything that we, we could to try to reach communities. But, um, you know, we know it was under, we were undercounted. Um, and we've got a lot of, we still have a lot of trust to build, right? You have to, to build trust. So not everybody wants to open their door for somebody saying, hey, I'm with the government to take down your information. No matter how many times we say in in however many you know native languages, this is not going to impact your immigration status. I don't I don't begrudge people for for being skeptical, and so we know that we're undercounted there. And um, in terms of growth, you know, we hope we hope that we grow. We also hope to grow smartly. So being from the west coast of the U.S., uh, where the cities were more the the little literal parcels of land were more spread out because they they were built a, a little bit later when people had more money and there were cars and so you have those larger parcels of land. We're lucky here in Scranton. Our parcels, most of them, were actually built before. A lot of them were built before vehicles, personal vehicles. So we have a, a nice density already and naturally here. Um, certainly, there's lots of neighborhoods that were were built um, after people had cars and and were. A, car built city that we'd like to get to be more walkable and more bike friendly uh, and have more public transportation. But in terms of our density, we're actually in a good space in in contrast to some of the West Coast cities that are really trying to figure out how to infill. But we're right now we're working on our zoning plan and we're, we're adding some of those things like accessory dwelling units where you can, you can, as long as there's an ingress egress, you could put a tiny house in your backyard and, you know, rent that out or have a, a older member of your family age in place, or maybe, you know, they want you to be there and they want the house, whatever, whatever your family's saying. Sorry, sorry to cut you <laughs> off there, Paige. So have you seen those tiny homes? Like I've seen them on TV. You know, my wife, Mrs. K actually wants us to get a tiny home. She said. I, they are really cool. I am enjoying uh for the first time in our lives my husband and i both just last year in our 40s we we bought a house and we moved out of the two-bedroom bachelor pad that that he had had and we'd always individually lived in smaller apartments in cities so i'm enjoying this the the large house that we have right now but i'm not against the tiny home i think it's great and we want to make sure that it's accessible for people my dad for example he really he hasn't retired yet but i think he wants it to potentially be in a tiny home and i want to make sure that it's possible for him to oh, put that absolutely. tiny home in my bed absolutely i mean my wife <laughs> miss k said oh we should get a tiny home i said oh get two one for you one for me cuz i'm not going to be staying <laughs> i don't i don't you know cuz i saw it and, and don't get me wrong it looks really nice right and and maybe it's an experience yeah. to maybe if you want to stay for a weekend or if you want to rent it like and make it an airbnb experience you know but mm-hmm. yeah i think with the with the cost of housing being very high in some cases at least at least here in canada it's very very high even though it's oh it's even so though high. they've in, they've increased the uh, the interest rate to try to reduce the the hot market you know, I was thinking, man, if someone just was smart, had like this big plop of land and they just build like a, a you know, a bunch of tiny homes, these homes can probably sell for maybe what, maybe one or $200,000 or $300,000 Canadian, which would have been like so affordable compared to, you know, it's almost like a million dollars in some areas, which is really crazy. So back to Scranton. So how many small businesses do you guys have? Like, I know it's a, just an estimate that you have there. Oh, gosh. Oh, no, you're catching me. You know, I think we're at thirty five hundred or so. I think 
I think that's where we're at. I should have that right in front of me, and I'm sorry that I don't. That might be a number. That might be a number from a couple of years ago. There, it's increasing for sure. Uh, but it's a lot. Absolutely. Well, it's, it's more just, it's all just about estimates, right? Because obviously I'm not going to expect you to say, well, Ken, according to, we have exactly this much. I'm like, it's nice. 3,500, good range. And of those 3,500, can you guesstimate how much of that is diverse? Because I know there's a big push towards uh, diverse uh, businesses yep. being started. We're still stuff. collecting that information. Like I said, we, when we came in, most of City Hall was analog and paper. And we now are working on a technology platform where our teams can communicate with each other and we can track data. So we'll have a better idea of that in the coming months. Um, and we'll be able to support support businesses better once we're able to collect more of that. So it's it's funny. I, I'm not the only mayor that has that characterizes their administration as a startup. So, you know, we came in. I certainly don't want <laughs> to dismiss the great work that's gone on before us, but um before we came in, there wasn't a lot of investment in technology and data tracking. So our team is doing that. And in that way, we are kind of a startup and that we're building from the ground up on that kind of, of thing. Um, but we're, we have a, we have, like I said, if you come here, which please come, we have such cool, we still have the super cool neighborhoods that you, you can, you see those churches, you see those, those old clubs or those restaurants that are um, generational. And we're seeing some of those new restaurants pop up that I, I think will become generational uh, from some of the folks that have moved in. And this is their first or second generation here in Scranton. It's a place that, that there's something about it that draws you in. And once you're here, you you feel comfortable staying and, and you want to stay. Um, there's a there is even if you personally aren't part of one of those family generations, there's a, a safety here because people are really close to each other that um, I think draws people to come and stay. Well, if the guy did food, then definitely I definitely want to come well, into that. I'm here because of food. I'm here because of that sandwich. So, <laughs> because of the sandwich, I'll make sure to try the, the sandwich. Chris's stories relates to food in Scranton. <laughs> I got some food questions for you. That's why I'm going to ask a little bit later. But as long as it's not one of those towns from let that Marvel universe where they had that one of the characters build a town and just keep everyone there. So hopefully it's well, not like that type of environment. We're then we're okay. <laughs> Well, I'm kidding. Of course, we're not going to be seeing stuff <laughs> like that. So, all right. And what? So now that you're in you're in public office now, so you see a lot of things that goes on, and I guess a lot of people don't even know what it's like to be in there. But is there? How would you describe as some type of expenses that you probably that your constituents be surprised that you have to spend a lot on? I think that it's even though healthcare in America is so obviously unaffordable, and you hear it all the time when you realize how expensive healthcare for 500 people is it's hard you it's hard to realize how much that is and don't forget that we pay a lot of retiree healthcare so we have a health we have legacy healthcare uh, expenses and then we have the current healthcare expenses and of course we're we are happy to provide great healthcare for our employees but it's so gosh darn expensive in America um, to insure people and it shouldn't be that that hard, but it is. And so the healthcare piece is really big. And then, you know, just live in real time, we're, we're putting together our budget for 2023 and we have to weigh, so gas costs have gone down a little bit, but even so, let's say you say gas and electricity, some utility costs have gone up. Well, we experience those too, right? We have to keep not only the lights at City Hall and PD on, but we have to keep the street lights on. So that impacts us. We don't want to have to raise taxes and it remains to be seen whether we will, but we have to raise, potentially have to raise taxes to do that. I don't want to raise taxes because other, because individuals, you know, their bills are going up too, but you, you have to balance that because you don't want to raise people's taxes when they're struggling to make ends meet with, with how much the cost of living has risen just in a short time here in the States, but also our costs have gone up too. So it, it it's, it's this push and pull that's really difficult, but what I love about our approach to this job and, and this administration is that we try to have this all as a very public conversation, that we're making these decisions. We're, we're not making decisions in a vacuum. Uh, we don't drop the budget the day before it's going to be voted on by city council. You know, we, we try to talk through publicly what the decision set is so that people understand. And I, I really careful as careful as I possibly can be that we're not using money on things that aren't necessary. There's some things that would be nice to have, but in this time, in these first two and a half years, and as we go in, you know, into what is my goodness, a fourth year in office, 
um, there are just some things that we can't afford to do. And, and so we'll try to, you know, grow the city, grow the tax revenue to be able to get some of those things. We, we, uh, yeah, no, I, I hear you. So, so I guess my, 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 I have a, one more question before we go into more of the tips from the pro segment, but it's more like, a, so what do you think the state of municipal politics and where do you think its current direction is going right now? And I'll just give you a little bit of a preface now. It may not be obviously municipal, but, you know, there's in Canada, we always hear of the, the American style of politics where, you know, it's a lot of mudslinging, a lot of name calling, right? So you hear, oh, it's the American style. But I find that we had a federal election last year mudslinging, all that sort of stuff. And we just had a provincial election just a few months ago, mudslinging. I find that municipal and, and local ones have almost, been, maybe just because you don't see it, because like I said, maybe in, a, in the state or in the province that you're in, it, because it's more bigger, that's why there's more of that. I don't see that very much in the municipal levels, but do, do you see anything that's similar to that or how is it going on in Scranton? That's a great question that I could talk to you all day about. Um, I think the difference, I think the mudslinging is quiet in a smaller place. And you don't see it because you don't have the mudslinging happening for, like on your evening news commercials, right? Here in Pennsylvania, there's a U.S. Mm -hmm. federal Senate race happening. And it's happening in in prime time, no matter what television program you might be watching. Those, those Senate candidates are, are going back and forth. And, and I'm sh obviously, I'm sure for at the the national level in Canada and the provincial level as well. So you see that happening because it, they have the the funds to be able to put that on television. In the local races, often that mudslinging is more it's more personal, honestly, which is not fun, and um, it's quieter because it's happening behind the scenes um, versus out in your face. So if when you're, I've now had three races, and uh, we just I, I'm not from here. Uh, so some of the whatever the the little nitpicky personal stuff that some politicians locally have with each other, I don't have that with anybody. So we did our best to just stay out of it and just run our game. You can only run your own game, right? Um, so we just did that. Yeah, but I think that's absolutely. the difference. I mean, I think well, local politics is harder. At least I've worked. I've never been. I've only been a local official. So I can only speak to yeah. that. But I've and been on national campaigns. I've been on congressional campaigns. I've seen them. It is really personal at the local level, right? You're, my child isn't in school yet, but, you know, you have people who kids are in school and there are people at school saying things that are very personal. When you go to broader office, statewide, nationwide, there's things being said, but it's not in your backyard. So... Yeah, that, which which is kind of sad, right? It couldn't just be like, okay, here's my stance on certain things, and you just vote based on policy. I really wish right? that we you could can, just you, vote based on policy. In a perfect world. <laughs> it would be so, so much happy. easier. <laughs> I really want right? people to it, want be... these jobs. And that's that's the thing. Like, I think my biggest pet peeve in this world that I've, I've uh, placed myself in is I want people to run for office for the office and the job. You are going before the voters. As a, you're a candidate for a job, it's an interview and you should want the mm -hmm. job far too many times at every level, every single level. You see people going for a job because they want the next job or they want right. some sort of something else, but not the actual job. And then they get in the job and they don't do it. Uh, so we need more workhorses at every level. We want, I want people that are going to roll up their sleeves and do the work and dive into the budget and dive into the ordinances. Um, it's really disappointing when you have people that really don't seem to couldn't care less about the job itself. It's, it's, it's shameful in terms of that uh, I used to have a senior manager where he loved the job title. Mm -hmm. He loved the senior. He just didn't like the managing, which was really unfortunate. So, all right. So I'm going to ask you, I'll try to wrap it. I know you're we're good. a little bit, uh, we're almost at time. Okay. You're good. All right. Excellent. So I always ask this question to all my guests. So in, so Mayor Page County, what is your what has been over your life of public office? What has been your biggest failure, but also your biggest success so far as mayor? Those are tough. Those are really tough. Yeah, that's Ooh. me asking the yes, hard I, questions. There, the Paige. simple questions are always like hard ones. Um, I think that our biggest success is every time someone comes up to me, whether it's a parent or a child themselves, and says that me being in public office um, and the first female mayor of Scranton 
um, or our administration, the work we're doing has inspired them in some way. We get, I get um, a lot of young, young kids, especially young girls who either their mother or father will come up to me and, and ask if I will meet them, which of course, that's my very favorite thing is to, to meet kids. So to the extent that, that we're able to inspire the next generation of leaders, that is uh, the most fulfilling thing. And on the challenges side, uh, I think that I, coming in, underestimated the the relationship upkeep I needed to to do with city council. Um, that's a an interesting one. And, and again, spoken with a lot of mayors who had good relationships with the individuals before they became mayor, then they became mayor and the relationship changed immediately. Do you have a small business story to share? The SME Stories podcast is looking for entrepreneurs to share their tales of success, failure, and everything. If you're interested in being a guest on our show or know someone would be a great fit, please contact us at Northway Capital Group at gmail.com. That's Northway Capital Group at gmail.com. And that was right. the case. It's like having a it's like having a friend having a friend coworker. Then one of you gets the promotion, yeah. and now you're reporting to that friend. You're like, yeah, oh, and like happy hours no. different after that, right? So that yeah. I I wish that I had known sooner that 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 would happen. Um, I should have I should have thought about it more, but there was a lot going on. Um, so I'll I, I'll continue to to keep working at at that. That's a again a, oh, it's a it's great it's something that other mayors that I know. I wasn't on city council before, um, but, you know, so my experience has been has been less shocking than I've talked to people who were on city council, then became mayor. And it was, you know, they just they were in the same room and they stepped across the table and it changed. And that was even more shocking to them. So municipal government, I I thank you for asking, because I think it's fascinating. I think it's so interesting and fun. And I I'm a on the advisory board of the U.S. Conference of Mayors and part of other mayors' organizations. And I do a lot to to keep myself plugged in because I learn so much from other mayors. Other forms of government are really interesting to me, and mm. it helps me be better at this job. Do you have a small business story to share? The SME Stories podcast is looking for entrepreneurs to share their tales of success, failure, and everything. If you're interested in being a guest on our show or know someone would be a great fit, please contact us at Northway Capital Group at gmail.com. That's Northway Capital Group at gmail.com. Now it's time for tips from the pro. All right. Here, let's ask. So we're going to hit the tips from the pro segment. So this is someone who wants to potentially get into office in this case. And just some little simple questions that might be invested in that. So, all right. Question number one. Uh, in office, what are the various revenue generation tools local governments have access to? Taxes are, of course, the the biggest, and that's why they're such a big deal. Ooh, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the, the different types of taxes are really important, and we're pretty limited in Pennsylvania of what types of taxes we can charge. But we spend a lot of time thinking through what what other revenue streams we might be able to pull in, and we get um, we get there's grant funding that comes in through the state level the federal level as well. We're in a unique time right now where we've got these, um, the American Rescue Plan funds opportunities for infrastructure because of, of the legislation that that has passed underneath uh, President Biden. Um, but those aren't for our budget. Those are for you know things that, that we wouldn't have been able to do without that. That's not helping our general fund budget. That's not you know, keeping the lights on here. So um, it's the tax dollars and we have to be be smart and and very frugal with those. So how do you, what is your best tip on dealing with different levels of government? So obviously here in Canada, we have our, you know, we have our mayors and our local politicians, but then also we have our premiers, which I guess in the States would be the governor. And of course you have the highest level, which is the branch and the prime, sorry, the president and the prime minister. But I don't know how much influence you have with President Biden at this very moment in time, but what tip would you give when you have to deal, I guess, in your case, working with your governor or any other senators or anything like that? Yeah, I think that it's about treating everybody the way you want to be treated. So just today we have a, our city and our neighboring borough wrote a letter to our governor asking to make sure that they do a very careful analysis of a request that our local land sale put in to dump uh, treated fluid into our river. And it's important to not blindside your governor with these things, right? We, we sent that, 
flags that for his staff before it, it went public so that they would know this isn't, we're not trying to, to knock anyone over the head or surprise anyone. We're just trying to get to the right resolution where the analysis is full and complete before any decision is made. So I would want that courtesy, right? I would want somebody to call me before the story hit the newspapers. So it's, to me, it's all about, it's about that relationship and, and trying to, I mean, there might be times where somebody needs to, to hear something. That's certainly true, but nobody ever wants to be blindsided. Yeah. So I guess having that transparency and having a very open communication with your, the Mm -hmm. next level up or anything like that, just to make sure, like you said, you're not surprising them with anything else. So, all right, excellent. Next question. What is your tip on dealing with difficult employees or in this case, employees and counselors? Oh boy. Um, Especially when you're the head cheese, you're the mayor, right? So any future mayor's (laughs) listeners, they want to know, okay, what do I deal with all these? Some of these counselors are just so difficult to deal with. It's so how would you deal with it or just, how would you advise them to deal just with Just like your mom or dad or grandmother or grandfather always told you when you were little, just keep a smile on your face, stay calm, don't say anything if you have nothing nice to say. Just <laughs> just go forward with I like that. Needs. Go forward with the business, know that you're there to support the whole city. It's not personal. It shouldn't get personal. Just Just move forward. And it's easy to do if you're transparent. It's not, these conversations aren't hard. Um, these these mm-hmm. instances aren't hard. You just keep going forward every single day. And yeah, just, it's all about the, the what you got told when you were three years old, right? <laughs> just be nice. <laughs> well, well, you know what? Here's, here's, I'll make this story very quick. So my wife and I, Mrs. K, were having a disagreement about uh, my daughter, right? So we were having, she's, she's 10 years old now and she's starting her own paper route. So she's starting to make her own cool. money, which is, which I'm very happy about, very proud. And uh, I asked my daughter, how do you want daddy to come with you on these paper routes? And it's just nearby our house. And she's like, maybe come with me for the first two weeks. And she only has to deliver once a week, right? So that, that's, that's so cool. fine. And uh, I said, so after that, you want me to continue? No, I'm good. So I tell my wife, Mrs. K, this. And she gave me the look. She's like, no. I said, what do you mean? We have to go with her. I said, why? And we, we, we couldn't come to an agreement. And as in most cases, it had to get escalated to my mother. <laughs> which basically means that, uh, which basically means that we have to accompany her every single, every single. So unless you know your the counselor's mother, then maybe that could be a potential strategy right. you can right. use when you're dealing with them. Right. Escalate Most to escalate the mother. To my, so. my mom lives with us most of the time. So I, she is my, she and my husband are my, are my counselors at home. So that's, that's the thing. It's just when in doubt, ask your mom. When that was, and you know what? It, it's funny too. Sorry, this back, back, just to back to her. So you remember you talked about people getting into politics more. I actually had a few friends said, Ken, you should get into politics. I said, why? They said, oh, you'd be great. How do you know that? Well, you look like one of the counselors and I definitely vote for you. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. As long as I look like one of the counselors, then maybe I will. But I'm like, unless I have a platform or whatever, it doesn't make any sense for that. And and you know what scared me off of politics uh, there, Mayor Page? You know what it was? It was the West Wing. Oh, yeah. Have you ever seen, have you watched the I've West Wing? I've never seen it. Isn't that wild? Yeah. You've got to, it's deaf. Well, you know what? It's very similar to what you probably do, but on a different scale. But I'll tell you this though, Paige, is that, when my wife and I watched this several years ago and I saw what, now this is the president, right? Obviously it's different from local politics. I'm sure you can dilute it down to, and maybe you could start to see from the local level. But I look at that, I'm like, you know, you you, you can't just have a nice day. You can't just come into the day and just, because there's always something (laughs) wrong. There's always something wrong. You know, in in the show, they were dealing with like wars, nuclear (laughs) weapons, or something with going on with the budget committee. And I'm thinking, Wow. Now, on a local scale, I can imagine that also being like, like you said, could be streetlights here. What are we going to do about our tax? What about education here? It's like, can I sit down and can I at least have a coffee before you start uh, getting into it? So that's what kind of throws me off. So, all right, that was, we'll do some more lighthearted questions here. So you're a mother, a wife, and you have a young one. How old is your young she one right is now? It's going to be three in December. So it's two and a half. Three in December. So there's a lot of demand on, on your time. So for that, for a lot of business owners, we, they 
juggle so many balls. How do you balance your work life? Well, again, my husband is a business owner as well. So, and he works more than I do, right? I mean, it's different. He's at his food business and has to physically be there. So he's there seven days a week. He gets home after I do. I'm always working, but I can work from, you know, my, almost said my Blackberry, which um, shout out to Canada. And I'll always say Blackberry, which will date me forever. <laughs> Yay! I miss Blackberry <laughs> This so is not technical. Uh, now, I'm not sure. I'm showing her a picture of my phone. Now, my phone is not a BlackBerry. It's actually an Android okay. phone. It's called the Unihertz Titan, the- but it has the keypad. Maybe I need to switch. I, I miss my BlackBerry so much. I have an extra okay. one in case you need right. one. It's f- still in the box. So yeah, if you let I, me know. I need but, to get one. I, I miss them. And it's actually the U.S. Okay. version. So right. if you're interested, let me know, Mayor. So, okay. But it's so- all about, so I, you know, I, I keep working, but I can do it from home. And, you know, if somebody picks me up, we need to go to a, a house that's collapsed we can do that but it's my mom is there is the key to our lives she came for the birth of my daughter and was going to stay a few months COVID hit and now my mom spends about 10 months of the year with us and the four of us are a family and we're a multi-generational family and I cannot imagine any of this without her we just it doesn't work without her uh, and it's really cool to have yeah. my daughter have such a relationship with her grandma Oh, that's great. That's great to hear. See, it's not all dark, not all doom and gloom <laughs> that some of the people might think of when they're talking about, oh, education yeah. sucks, taxes suck, everything sucks, Ken. What are we going to talk about? Now it's time for the rapid fire round. Some nice. And there we go. We have that. So, all right, now we're going to have some of the rapid fire fun stuff here. Okay. So these are all going to be questions at random, although I picked them all just this morning. So, all right, Mayor. <laughs> What would your 15-year-old self be thinking you'd be doing right now? English professor. English professor. All right. Excellent. If there was a sandwich named after you, what would you call it and what would be on it? And you cannot use your husband's okay, sandwich. That's, whew, that's a loaded. Yeah, that is a loaded question. Oh, man. What do I like? It's so hard to, to think past his sandwiches. <sighs> Ken, that's a, such a stumper. I mean, it would be a whole wheat, whole wheat. It'd be, it'd be a whole wheat, brie, turkey, arugula, panini. That is a sandwich on his menu, but it is my favorite. It's so good. Because who, like, sandwiches are so great, but when they're warm, they're even greater. And I don't know, I guess. Any, any condiments on it? Some mustard, like a nice, like a spicy mustard. Good stone ground Ooh, spicy, spicy mustard. Yeah. And what would it be called? Oh. I guess it would be called the mayor page. It's kind of the mayor page. Okay. (laughs) Put on a shirt. Absolutely. All right. Which word, which word or phrase do you most overuse? I mean, you could go back through this podcast and probably say it. I, I use interference words too much. I, you know, I mean, I do that and I, I want to do less of that. No, I, I hear you. I try to do the same thing. I, I transcribe all my episodes. I remember the first time I started this podcast and I was listening to it for the first time. And people say, do you find it odd to listen to your voice? Absolutely not. Because then uh, the way my software is, it actually, I'm reading the transcription. I'm like, holy crap, I say you know yeah. what. And then I, oh, I asked my daughter, okay. Like, yeah, I listened to, I said, my, I told my daughter, okay, listen to daddy and listen, how many times does he say, you know? And I, I was only 30 seconds and she's like, Seven. I'm like, oh my God. Seven times within 30 seconds. It's hard to get it out. I listen to a lot of podcasts and I specifically listen for that. A lot of people do it. We are not alone. We all got to work on it. No. For sure. (laughs) And we're all trying to figure it out. Yes. Right. You know, (laughs) I could have just put you know there, but I tried not to. But okay. All right. What is one subscription you cannot live without? The Economist. The economist engaged with the world, Ken. So a lot of all of our focus here is on Scranton and and what needs to happen here. But my economist alerts keep me updated on, you know, the new prime minister in the UK, what's going on with the Kenyan elections, what's happening with the Japanese economy. I I need that global uh, look in my life. So listeners, if you're if you're listening, so we know that Mayor Page is going to be going for the United States presidency, <laughs> just to, or we used to work in the Foreign Secretary just, office, just for just, just based really on really likes the Economist on a Sunday morning. <laughs> All right, let, 
that sounds more work related. Let's pull the fun stuff. More like fun that. stuff, Paige. What what's fun? What's some what subscription can you love without that's not sound like a work oh. thing? See, that's the sad part is I used to read all this fiction and literature and then sometime about fifteen years ago I went kind of all nonfiction, uh, which is, is so bad. So I'm trying to I'm trying to get more into back into fiction when I can. But it's hard for me. It's it's when you're in this, once you dive into this, it's hard not to read books that are all about it, it takes up a lot of your time. And, you know, it guaranteed up, income yeah. and spend your time trying to deep dive on the policy issues that you're trying to solve. I'm a it's right hard. It, it's very time consuming. Yeah, I do. I do love <laughs> dark British dramas on uh, Netflix. So like the like I had COVID in March and I went through all the Harlan Coben series on Netflix. So I. That, really? But I can't watch them at home because my husband doesn't like them. My mother certainly doesn't like them. They literally had to have COVID and be banished to the basement in order to watch British crime drama. So, yeah, <laughs> I, I used to love watching zombie shows. And my wife has uh, Mrs. K has already threatened that we cannot watch anything horror related unless I choose unless me personally, I'm not allowed to sleep for the next two yep. weeks with all the lights right. on. And I'll have to be next to her the entire time. Sacrifice. OK, maybe I can sec. <laughs> Yeah, I'd, I'd be like, okay, I can sacrifice that. So I, maybe we don't do that. Because I always say that for, when it comes to couples, there's always like a rite of passage, where it's the first date, the first meal, the first scary movie. We've never watched a scary movie together. I didn't watch scary movies until I moved here. My uh, brother-in-law makes horror films. And I started watching his really? horror films, and it was my, my entree into liking them. Yeah. <laughs> Any movies that we will, will, will be aware of? His, Big series is Hell House. So it's on Shudder, uh, AMC's Shudder. And we'll... Oh, that's definitely a bad... That's, that's, that's yeah. a horror movie network. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's all horror. Okay, got, good to know. All right, on to, all right, on to some lighter stuff. <laughs> Aside from horror <laughs> stuff and dark English stuff. All right, would you rather go 30 days without your phone or an entire life without desserts? I could go without dessert. Yeah, really? I could do it. You couldn't. So you don't have much don't of a sweet take tooth. cheese away from me. That would that would be the killer. Oh, yeah, I'm more savory. So no cheese or your phone. You you'd give I up the, give the, the yeah. You can give up the desserts. Interesting. I had a digital marketer say I was the devil for asking that because he was a carb junkie, and uh, they said you're an evil man, Ken, for asking <laughs> asking that question. I'm like. Because his life is on the phone, right. right? So to take that away would be very... T- and I assume being a mayor, you know... Well, you know, you can always assume to the... You can always give it to the deputy That's mayor. Great. So when in doubt, escalate Definitely. to the deputy mayor. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Final question we have here. I know, like I said, I'm very appreciative of your time here. So what is your theme song and why? So you walk into the office. You're walking Ooh. down the sidewalk. That song hits. Everyone knows. Oh, Page is coming. <sighs> that is a really tough question. That I am unprepared for. Uh, I, I, the last songs that I listened to over the weekend, because I usually listen to podcasts, but I did listen to some Rage Against the Machine uh, on my way driving around the city this week. Um, and the last song I think I listened to was Bulls on Parade. I'm not sure if that's a theme song, but that is definitely a song that I enjoy listening to in the privacy of my vehicle when I'm, I'm driving around town sometimes. <laughs> I think my, maybe so, it would surprise some of my constituents for better or for worse. <laughs> well, you know what? No, the listeners can't see this because we're like, I can see Mayor Page right now. She has a Rage Against the Machine poster <laughs> right now with the, with a kiss mask on the other side of the... Fr- no, I'm kidding. She doesn't have well, that. Ken, my she my has... uh, campaign slogan was Page Against the Machine. So it's, oh, uh, love yeah. it. But my, my friend in Portland coined that I, I had been running for about six weeks and he wrote me a message on Facebook. He's like, how have you not coined page against the machine? And I, my team was like, oh, my gosh, how did none of us think of it? So the, my enjoyment of Rage Against the Machine comes from being a, a kid who was a teenager in the 90s and living in the grunge Northwest. So it all it all makes sense. <laughs> you look like someone who'd be into grunge. Right? Yeah. Super. Uh, right. <laughs> Absolutely. So any other final f- thoughts that, and uh, where can people reach out to you, Mary Page? Yeah, so I'm so excited to be on here with you, Ken. Thank you again for having me. I'm on Twitter at Page G Cognetti for the more fun stuff. 
And then at Scranton underscore mayor for the city stuff and our Scranton Pennsylvania website, scrampa.gov, is where people can go to learn more about all the great opportunities we have here in the city. It's a really just an incredible place. And as we talked about, it's a place where you can be who you are and you can really settle down and feel like you're part of community very, very quickly. Uh, not every place is like that. And it's a great place to live. It's also a great place to visit. So we encourage folks to come. Um, if you and your your wife and daughter would like to come on down sometime, we could take you on a couple tours. It'd be a great time. I'd be nice. We'll leave my son at home. No, oh, I'm kidding. My son son son. Want to come I won't with... tell him that we have to talk about him. Yeah. Thank you very very much, Mayor. It was great. All right. That was our episode with Mayor Paige Cognetti. So it was a very fun podcast. It's the first politician they actually had on, actually, and uh, she was great. Uh, I think what really stood out in this episode for me and some of the things I thought about was relationship management. Now, we, we talked about it before where the mayor was talking about how she was how relationship management was actually very important because before landing the role and then after landing the role, uh, the relationships kind of changed. And being able to make sure that uh, whether it's clients, employees, or anything, that your relationships with people related to your business needs to be very important to you. Uh, you have to make sure you massage it and keep it in, in mind. And I know it's hard, especially when you're you're busy as you're the owner and you're doing so many different things, but try not to forget about the people who either got you into that position or who support your business on that because, you know, it's, it is a people business. Like even if you're doing an e-commerce thing, you might have staff that you might have. You might even use virtual assistants or anyone, but just as long as you're treating them right, keeping them loyal, they'll make your life a lot easier. So, all right, guys, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I enjoyed recording it and I look forward to seeing you on the next one.